0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a Rose Bowl edition of the Lashing Out podcast. And eSports the Sports Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Prugar. Kevin, Penn State won. They won their big game this year. They won the granddaddy of them all. Only the second Rose Bowl win in program history after that 95 game. They played 100 years ago in 1923, which was Sean Clifford's first year at Penn State and this year he wins the rose bowl goes out a champion and his the his career at penn state seemingly has come to an end and i don't know how you could write that any better outside of a national championship
1: yeah and you you can't write it better than that so much so that james franklin quoted me at the trophy presentation saying rose bowl baby rose bowl it was That is the end of the roller coaster of Sean Clifford. And we went out like right after that first drop where the excitement is at an all time high. We talked about in the pregame podcast, like Penn State needed to be successful running the ball and limit the chances for Sean Clifford to make mistakes. Sean Clifford, I won this game almost single handedly. He had a lot of help, but like this game was won by Sean Clifford and I don't think he made a mistake all night. Besides no, he me. played pretty.
0: Like, yeah, I mean, he was sacked three times, but that's not necessarily on him. Um, but it he played a flawless football game. He was sixteen of twenty-one for two seventy-nine. He found Country Lambert Smith, who we talk about like players that needed to step up. County Lambert Smith, man, three receptions, one hundred twenty-four yards, and a touchdown. That eighty-eight yarder clearly was, was was what got him that uh, that Vonta total. But man you look at the at the scope of Clifford's game he was poised in the pocket he made the right decisions the right reads he played as good of a game as he could and it ended with Penn State being victorious and that's what's been frustrating about Sean Clifford right we've been critical of him i've been overly critical of him at times and it's unfortunate because there's this is the game that you should that you want to expect from Sean Clifford but then there are games where it just doesn't always happen that way. But I am glad that he booked ended his Penn State career with New Year's six-game uh, six bowl victories with the Cotton Bowl coming against Memphis in his first year as a starter. And now 17 and a half years later, he wins the Rose Bowl. And that, to me, I think speaks volumes to Sean Clifford on and off the field. He could have done anything but show up and do what he did. and And, and he was impressive.
1: Yes. And it's fitting that the last game of Sean Clifford's career, I believe, is his 32nd win to pass Trace McSorley for all time wins leader in Penn State history. And he delivered, granted, it probably wasn't his fault. He delivered what Trace McSorley could not deliver to this program. And that was a Rose Bowl victory. Yeah. Sean Clifford, like in terms of Penn State, like where we've been from the 2018 season, you go into COVID in 2020, you go into 2021, like, coming off that abysmal year, zero expectations there. You come into this year, not a lot of expectations. Oh, it's the same old song and dance. It's Clifford's sixth year. They haven't done anything really since the Cotton Bowl. They backdoor the Rose Bowl. We talked about that. But they showed that they deserve to be there. Utah was the number seven team in the country or number eight team in the country. James Franklin had a chance to go out, win a road game against a top ten opponent. With Sean Clifford at the helm, like this is what we've been asking for for six years, and they they delivered it, and just cannot be more ecstatic. The emotions that he showed, I'm glad that they did. You know, this it's the they took Sean Clifford out in the proper way, the way Alabama took out Bryce Young, let him run one more play. It was a handoff to Tank Smith, let the play clock expire, hugged his brother and Drew Aller came and subbed him out, and tears were falling from his face. Everybody was lining up, and that's the epitome of college football. They asked Jair Brown, like, why do seniors play this game? That's why seniors play the Rose Bowl. That's why seniors play their final bowl game. Jair Brown did it. B.J. Mustafer did it. Obviously, Sean Clifford did it. Like, guys who've given their heart and their soul for four, five, six years Went out one last performance and went out on top and in pretty, pretty dominant fashion after the injury to Cam Rising.
0: Yeah, right. And I think you know I I don't it's tough to speculate how things would have played out if if Cam Rising had continued to play. He went down with a knee injury, uh, ended up on in sweats on the sideline, and it's a shame because he was single handedly beating Penn State, um, on the ground, and, and his decision making too, and. Uh, and, and when you have that kind of change, you know, that's, that's the issue, but, you know, at the end of the day, the defense did, did its part, they came back and, and I mean, let's be real. They held them to 14 points outside of that lone touchdown at the end. Um, when Utah called or put their starters back in and found the end zone. And I thought, I didn't think that was great. Um, but it's, it's just one of those situations, um, that Penn State dominated. They dialed up the pressure when they needed to in the second half. And it's something that they weren't really capable of in the first half as they kind of just made those adjustments and and went in on it. But Manny Diaz, man, you got to give him credit. And we'll talk a little bit more about the game itself in the second segment. But we expected a quarterback duel, and we got it. I mean, Clifford did a great job, and so did Cam Rising before his injury. You know, he's not going to light – he didn't light up the, the stat sheet statistically through the air he was 8 of 21 with a pick and 95 yards but where his presence was felt was on third down and it felt like almost every third down in the first half Penn State couldn't stop Utah but they were able to hold them off the scoreboard and Penn State or Utah finished 11 of 19 on third down now again back to Sean Clifford Clifford and Penn State they were 7 to 13 on third down. They had six or I'm sorry, eight less first downs. They ran um they they ran the ball 31 times and we're going to talk about this here in the second segment too. Um Nick Singleton only got seven carries, uh 16 receptions. Penn State had 448 yards with on 53 plays. And now that was vaunted by some big time plays by Keandre Lambert Smith and Nick Singleton. But then you look on the other side, Utah ran 83 plays with and only managed 391 yards. And I say only because they they averaged four four point seven yards a play, which in the grand scheme of things is pretty solid. But you're you're playing or you're and you you're on the field for so long. And, and I think that's the, that's the crazy thing. Like they had the ball for 35 minutes. It seemed and that Penn state defense where it fell apart against Ohio state late with some of those decisions um, or some of those um decisions that Sean Clifford made, they were able to overcome that and man, did it pay off for them.
1: Yeah. And it was shaping up. I mean, you mentioned it, but that was, that was a game of gamers. Like Sean Clifford's a gamer. Cam Risen's a gamer. I don't think either of those are going to be remarkably successful at the next level. They're probably high end backups, like probably can win a game or two as a as a NFL level quarterback. But like that's the epitome of college football of guys just gaming, balling out, doing what they need to do. And, you know, we mentioned it. Shout out to the Penn State defense. Time of possession was lopsided. 35-13 35-13 to 24-47. So Penn State was on the field. Defense was on the field 10 more minutes than the offense was. They didn't give up any points. They were aided by that Cam Rising injury. But after halftime, Cam Rising got a drive and a half. Penn State was dialing up pressure. They were getting home. The one drive that Utah had, um, you know, we, we could probably talk more about that, like the halftime adjustments, but Penn State came out after this after the halftime break, and really kind of took control. and It looked like Penn State was up twenty one fourteen when Cam Rising got hurt, and it looked like it was going to be blow for blow. But I was really conf in the first half. I wasn't as confident, but in the second half, as it started developing, I was really confident that Penn State was going to win that hit that last blow and win the game.
0: Yeah, and they did it, and that's the thing. Um, they they came out in the second half, executed. You know started started kind of rough. but again, Sean Clifford played a, a nearly flawless game, didn't turn the ball over two touchdowns, did well with his feet and and tipper cap to him on his career for Penn State because they don't I mean, we talk about drew Aller all the time and him being the future. but Sean Clifford's been the present for what seems like forever. So it's, it's a little bit different of a feeling than when Trace was done. You know, Trace wasn't able to finish his career with a win. Uh, he went out of that Citrus Bowl against Kentucky, you know, with a loss. But Clifford is able to bookend his career. Uh, he's tied with McSorley for, for, for program victories as starting quarterback. And, man, it feels good for Penn State to win this game and get that big game moniker off their back. Under Franklin, and I'm excited to see, you know what it what's in store, and we're gonna to get to that here later in the podcast. But man, it looks good to be a a Nittany Lion once again.
1: It certainly does, and we can we will talk about this, but man, that is a that was a program building game we talked about it in the pregame. That was the last poll game of the season that wasn't the college football final Monday night football is coming up, you know, America's tuning in for that. So they tuned in at probably eight o'clock to watch a little bit of the pregame. If you weren't already watching college football or you weren't a college football fan, you're probably tuning in at eight, eight fifteen for the pregame. And that's when you just like, that's when you look at the score and it's 35, 14, Utah gets that drive late, but like all the stars there, they're got the camera on them on the sideline. And it's just like, Uh, Everybody, America was sitting at home. If you aren't a college, even if you aren't a college football fan, you just saw the scoreboard when you tuned in to watch Monday Night Football. It's 35-14. You're like, wow, Penn State is here.
0: Yeah, they're here, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the game itself when we come back for the second segment of the Lashing Out podcast on the Esports Now Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the lashing out podcast and the sports now network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, we talked about Sean Clifford in the first segment, but I want to talk about Nick Singleton. Nick Singleton ran out. One of those things. Okay. This kid is for real. 87 yard run, you know, Penn state's obviously 87 yard run They're They're in the shadow of their own end zone. Um, They're, they're pin deep. And voila, he burst through a seam. Great blocking by Theo Johnson on the play and up front. I thought the offensive line, even without Olufashanu and, you know, for, and, and Wallace for a lot of the game, they played incredibly well. They protected Clifford and they, they opened up some holes in the run game and man, he was impressive. But what's crazy is he only had the ball seven times.
1: Yeah, and not to, not to look over the fact, both big plays were on third down deep in your own territory. Like mm-hmm. Those were must-convert plays, and they hit absolute home runs. But yeah, um, Penn State didn't have run a lot of plays. What, 54 plays it looks like they ran. Nick Singleton got seven carries. Katron Allen had 11. Nick Singleton, if you t- – he had average 17-1 a game, a carry – So, let's see. He's got roughly 35 yards on six carries. So, he's averaging seven yards a carry to a mental math here on the spot. I'm an engineer, but I can't do that. He's averaging seven yards a carry without the big run. Katron Allen, I feel like, got a lot more snaps tonight. We'll see this once the snap count comes out. I feel like Katron Allen got a lot more snaps than he did. And, like, the run was really effective early, especially on the first touchdown drive because that let them get the passing going on the second touchdown drive. But then Utah started teeing off, especially on the le- on the drive late in the first half. And then the second half was what the second half was. But it just seemed like the running game needed to be more pivotal or a more important part of the game. And they kind of really didn't stick to it. You said 31 carries. Eight of those were by Sean Clifford. Six of those are sacks. So really, they're only 25 carries to 20 nine pass plays so they're pretty even and i thought this this game probably needed to be a little bit more run centric and i feel like not that they weren't successful in offense but they probably could have been more successful if they gave nick singleton 12 15 carries versus seven
0: yeah and i think that's the thing they were in a position where they like let's let's be real they didn't really need him i mean the case run allen had 11 carries for 38 yards um longest was 16 and he's he scored a touchdown but they didn't, they didn't need a lot of offense because they just weren't on the field a lot. And, you know, they obviously benefited from some big time plays with, with the 88 yard pass and catch to Keandre Lambert Smith and the, the long run that we talked about with, with Singleton, but they just, they did everything that they needed to do. And they kept it short, you know, six different Nittany lions caught a pass from Clifford today. and, you know, it's one of those things where they had a balanced attack. They took advantage when they needed to take advantage. And, and it was an overall good game. But, I mean, you want to talk about dominant, that, that, you know, that defense under Manny Diaz, they dialed it up. They kept Barnes and Rising off, off of their games. You know, Rising did a great job of extending plays and doing a great job on third downs when he was in the game. But they dialed it up in that second half. And man, that was the game changer for the Nittany Lions.
1: It was. And uh the we mentioned the half-time adjustments in the first segment. I almost went into this, but saved it for this. On Utah's long first first uh first half drive, um they had second downs of three, one, four, and eight yards, only two third downs on that drive. Of third and two and third and one. I tweeted at halftime. Penn State needs to be successful on first down. If they because they weren't successful on first down, I read, I just read you the yardages. They're giving up seven, nine, six, and two yards on the first on first down. Utah could run whatever they wanted on second down. It was probably going to be a run. And in the first half, they were averaging 6.2 yards per carry. In the in the first half, so it's like you get into second four, and you hand it off, you got six yards, and you're back at first down, first and ten, and then you do whatever you want. Cam Rising finished the game, finished the game with eight of twenty one passing for ninety five yards. If Penn State was moderately successful in first down, like they were showing to be on the first and second drive of the second half, Utah wasn't going to move the ball anywhere. Because they were getting into second and 10, third and 10. There was a second and 19 there. And it just, it seemed like they made the right adjustments at halftime. And that's what was going to win this game. It ultimately did, aided by the rising injury. But I think they still win the game by at least a touchdown, if not two, because of the adjustments they made at halftime.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing, man. And that's that's Manny Diaz. They made the adjustments they needed. You know, you started off slow, and you're kind of feeling each other out, but they started to dial it up, and 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 Utah, to their credit, dialed it up too. And I thought they got away from that, um, a little later in the game, and I thought that cost them. But but the way that that Manny Diaz and and the guys up front were rated, like were were able to dial it up and and really get after it, man, was huge. And when you can keep quarterbacks off balance, especially ones that are younger and don't have the type of experience of cam rising and aren't really a threat on the ground. Like cam rising was, I mean, it paid off, but I don't think that it mattered who the quarterback was. The Utah defense was not ready for Penn state. And it's as simple as that. They averaged 8.4 yards per play and they were able to manage defensively two picks. And when you're able to win the turnover battle, it's a recipe for success.
1: Yeah, and I, we we failed to mention it so far, but really Utah's only big play was a hope and a prayer. Kaelin King had to go to the locker room, came off the field for one play, or came off the field for the rest of the drive, but he had to come off for that play. Camp, Penn State gets a bunch of pressure on Cam Rising. He throws an absolute duck, couldn't step into the throw, all arm, under throws, Marquise Wilson slips, and then they have a 47 yard completion and then it's steamrolled. And that's how Utah got their second touchdown. So literally one play that the Penn state defense gave up where I was like, Oh man, they don't have this under control. Utah was running the ball. And I felt like, you know, Manny Diaz has seen this before. I was kind of like having Michigan flashbacks so was also kind of like they know what to do. They've, we, they showed it through the rest of the season. They know how to stop the run. They just got to get into that mindset and they got into that mindset, but Really one big play given up by the Penn State defense and the rest is I mean they were locked down. They gave up seventy-eight yards on the last on the last drive uh for Utah. So they really only had like a hundred and twenty yards in the second half. Um besides that last drive. So I mean they really shut it. The Penn State defense really shut the game down.
0: Yeah, and I mean you look at uh and Jackson, who was their featured back tonight. 13 carries for 81 yards. That dude is a tough, tough runner. And they struggled to bring him down at times. I thought Penn State's tackling could have been better. But, I mean, let's be real. Over the course of the last few weeks, they they probably haven't done a lot of hitting. And that's the thing. Like, if you're capable of stopping the run and forcing them to beat you, it worked out incredibly well. And, you know, they gave up two touchdowns – or three touchdowns, I'm sorry – um, That late one, I, I keep forgetting about it. But at the same time, hey, you came out of it when I came out with it win. And now it's the offseason and it's finishing up recruiting and it's getting after it there because it, it seems as though Penn State is back. Now, we've said this before, and then 2020 happened in 2021 happened as well. But we'll talk a little bit more about that here in the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast, the Nitney Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast, Nitney Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, this we talk about the James Franklin hot seat right and now james franklin has won the cotton bowl the fiesta bowl and the rose bowl those are three new year six games now those are meaningful wins now they're not college football win college football playoff wins but they are still meaningful nonetheless and there are 100 there's 100 programs where a new year six win like the rose bowl would be a significant win so that's one of the situations that I like to see now. But you could see that James Franklin, when he was dumped with Gatorade and Rose is at the end of the game, and then he tackled Jair Brown, there was a sense of relief on his face, it seemed. And you have to feel for him because I think the last two years were incredibly stressful. He's dealing with questions about his starting quarterback. It's a four-year starter throughout the season with one of the best recruited highly recruited quarterbacks defense he's ever gotten and drew aller nipping at the bud to to come in and i feel like there's vindication there he won that game he obviously it was the second time he got there and this is going to seem weird to say but he tied joe paterno in roseville victories today
1: yeah and like you said the exhale after the win he's two and he was two and 15 coming into this game against top 10 opponents he gets that third win. He gets that signature win. This is the standalone game. It's the 8 o'clock, what would be the 8 o'clock ABC game during the season where everyone's watching. It's the out. It's the big road game against Ohio State or Michigan or Michigan State. All eyes were on him, and it was like, James, you better win this one. They were prepared. They started. They did their typical Penn State stall. Two drives in the beginning. They got their footing, which is expected. They've been off for a month. I don't. I don't think that's anything like what we saw earlier this season. They were off for a month. They came out a little bit sluggish for six plays, whatever it was. Two drives. I guess it wasn't six plays, so there weren't three knots. But then Penn State got to business, and they kept going, and they won. And Penn State James Franklin is now a Rose Bowl champion. Yeah, against a top ten team.
0: Yeah, Pac-12 champion. They beat Utah. Um, and they probably could have beat USC in 2016. But unfortunately, some things just don't play out. And I think, you know, I, th- I think a lot of that played into how he coached today or, or coached on uh, Monday afternoon because, you know, I thought they got way too conservative late in the game and where this was a situation where Penn State I don't think was ever overly conservative, they played to win the game from the outset. And I think that's the way that they've got to handle those bigger games moving forward. But again, Rose Bowl champion. I loved, I loved the Franco Harris tribute. Everybody on the, in the program wore a Franco Harris jersey uh, entering the
1: stadium. Even Jack Ham on the sideline had one on.
0: Yeah, and that was really cool to see. Uh, they had Franco Harris stickers on the back of their helmets. And I thought that was a really unique way to pay tribute um, to a guy who won his last Super Bowl at the Rose Bowl uh when the Steelers beat uh the LA Rams before they moved to St. Louis and then back to LA again. Um but but you have to you have to like where Penn State is heading. You you like the trajectory. They return Nick Singleton. They return uh Catron Allen. I, I'm not sure what Kevon Lee's plans are. I'm not I would, and I wouldn't be shocked if he transferred I'm not gonna lie. Um but he finished out the season and that's huge. Um but you get Keanu Lambert Smith back. You get Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson.
1: So uh, Tyler Johnson or Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren. Brenton Strange is gone, isn't he?
0: Right. So Brenton Strange is off to the NFL. But those other guys, you get, um, you get Olu Fashanu back. You get Caden Wallace back. And yeah, you have a whole with, with Juice Strug, Juice Scruggs, I should say. But I, I am very excited because you saw what Bryce Effner did. Um against these guys in, in and in a backup role and over the course of the last few games of the season. Uh, and and there's a lot to be happy with. I mean, you lose Mitchell Tinsley and you lose um, Parker Washington for the receivers, but Harrison Wallace, the third Trey Wallace is going to be okay. Um, you bring back Liam Clifford, who seemingly got a lot of playing time towards the end of the season. So you have options, quality options at that. And I like the trajectory, and that's not even – that's just the offensive side of football. You're not, I'm not talking about the defensive side. They return Chop Robinson. They return – I think Adiza Isaac will be back. They return Abdul-Carter, right? And Curtis Jacobs. Yes, and and that's Everybody. the thing. And Kalen King and Kobe King, I think, is going to have a standout year next year. So there are, are so many options for Penn State and so much depth and quality depth. And that's not – we're not talking about the guys that they're bringing in either. So this is a great spot for the Nitty Lions to be in. And you have to, <laughs> I would expect them to finish high, highly ranked, um, probably in the top eight to top seven, depending on how things are. But man, it's, it's gotta be really good.
1: Yeah. And we came into this week asking, does Penn state have what they need at receiver? That's probably the biggest question, Mark linebacker secure, You got Elston coming back. Uh, Dom DeLuca looks like he's going to be a great depth rotation player. He's only a sophomore. Kobe King's getting in there. I mean, Penn State's got five solid linebackers, and that was a position that we weren't really sure of coming into the season if they were were going to be good. Like, there were a lot of question marks there. Yeah, you lose Joey Porter Jr. Excuse me, you lose Jair Brown. But it seems like Penn State really knows how to recruit safeties. I mean, you went from Jaquan Brisk or Marcus Allen to Jaquan Brisker to Jair Brown. Like, that's that's hereditary right there. That's those are three guys who are going to do really well. They should have done really well at the end. Or excuse me, Jaquan Brisker's doing really well at the NFL. Marcus Allen's a great special teamer. Jair Brown is probably going to be like a Nick Scott type. It's kind of how I see him, but different position. But then wide receiver was that question mark? Keandre Lambert Smith had a great game. Harrison Wallace had a great game. You still have Amari Evans down there who didn't really who didn't see game action tonight. And those are guys that aren't in the starting rotation. So Drew Aller's been practicing with them all season long, got some practice probably with some bowl reps in there too. And now they just had that great Rose Bowl. They're building into the soft season. Yeah, and they might still get one, one wide receiver in the transfer portal, but I don't think that's a need as much as it was before the game tonight.
0: Yeah, and I and I think that's absolutely correct. I, I, you know, we come into this and we think that this is a need or this is a desire, and this is a, a big need. And I don't think that it is. I, I think that you know, if they get somebody, they get somebody. If not, I don't think it's an, a, a a too terrible of a, a a big deal. But yeah, I mean, spring ball. There's going to be excitement. There's going to be buzz around the the program for the foreseeable future, and deservedly so. And and that's a good thing. It's a good problem to have for Penn State. You know, twenty twenty was a rough year for everybody football and life in general 2021 they're still recovering from that because penn pennsylvania was a stricter state than than a lot of others and and the way that university did things as as the commonwealth school it's it's not easy so yeah those are excuses but those are also big factors and you know now penn state is seemingly back i don't think that they they went anywhere i think this is always the potential of this program but at the end of the day man Now they're back They're They've proven that they're back like, yeah, okay. Like the Rose bowl and they won the big 10 championship. Yeah. Okay. Let's see what they have. And now it's, it's their team and and it's their program. And it's, it's an opportunity for Franklin to cement his legacy, get the monkey off his back in that regard, win a big game. And now you got to parlay this into beating Ohio state and beating a Michigan team that might not have Jim Harbaugh. And, I, I don't know why that he would leave Michigan. He must miss the NFL game, but you're beating Ohio State consistently. You're competing for the Big Ten championship. You're getting to the college football playoff and losing. But no, I don't think anybody that's listening to this podcast is complaining about that um, necessarily. So it's just one of those situations. Now it's Penn State's world, and we're kind of living in it for right now. And I think that's a good position for Gene Franklin to begin, sure up the rest of this class and gear up for spring ball because this, there's this, the blue light game is going to be a significant time. It's going to be a significant game. You're going to see extended drew Aller. You're going to see a lot of these younger guys and, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yeah. And like you said, after 2021, 2020, 2021, Penn State like opened the door on stepping out of the conversation. They had a foot out of the door, but tonight they slammed that shut. They are back sitting at the table. They're probably going to be a top 10 Preseason rank team. I don't care about preseason rankings because they mean nothing effectively. Because who knows what, like who knows what Ohio State's going to be next year without CJ Stroud and Alabama without Bryce Young. So I think they're all kind of, it's it's the pageantry of college football is preseason rankings. But Penn State is a legitimate chance. CJ Stroud or Ohio State's going to a new quarterback. Michigan is Blake Corum back. I don't, I really don't, I couldn't even tell you what class he is. Probably should know that, but they have Michigan at home, Ohio state on the road. They always play Ohio state really tough. It's even on the road. That's always a one score game or pretty much a one score game. Last drive kind of thing. You get Michigan home, a team that you don't, you're not always really competitive with because the, the styles just don't jive very well. So you get them at home. There's your three point home field advantage, 5.7 point home field advantage, whatever you want to call it for the whiteout if it is the whiteout and this says next year's maybe not the year, but you're looking at two years from now where the momentum you've built from this Rose bowl victory, this has to help next year for recruiting as long as you back it up in the fall, but the 2024 class is, you know, kind of looking around, there's virtually no one committed in We're a year, we're a year out from early signing day next year. So those commitments we've always, we've already seen don't really mean anything. So, this is going to be the time, pull in that top five class, win eleven games. Maybe you lose one to Michigan or Ohio State, and you you're in the conversation for that four or five spot. Maybe you maybe you do run the table and you get a two, three, four spot in the college football playoff. And then the next year, like with this Rose Bowl win, I feel like it just has to be like you've got to be in that national championship conversation in two years. And it seems like they did do that tonight. I'm not trying to speak in hyperbole and all the praises and whatnot, but like this team has that buildup going right now. And like, they just need to keep this momentum going. They're a boulder rolling down the Hill. You, It's going to be hard to stop.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the good news is they get these guys for another year at least. And I think that's huge. You got to build on this beat Ohio state beat Michigan next year. Get yourself in that college football playoff talk that conversation, that big 10 championship conversation. And and I think there's a very good chance that they can compete at that level. And I think this is the year that, you know, he takes that that great team to uh, that great program to elite. And can they maintain it? it because winning and, and getting to the top is easy, right? It's not easy per se, but it's staying there that's the hard part. So can they do that? That remains to be seen. But it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this team. So let's see what happens. But for now, Penn State is a Rose Bowl champion. And that's, and that's about as good as you can be given where they were at at certain points this season. Yeah. And
1: a couple last thoughts before we go, LeVar Arrington was at the game tonight and after the game reached over to Manny Diaz, put his hand on his shoulder and goes, whatever you need, whatever you need. And that's the buy-in we're going to get in from the alumni, from the boosters, from everybody surrounding the program, the AD, everything, the whole university is going to buy in on that. And then the other thing is Olu news quotes on why he didn't go to the NFL is because the players have bought into James Franklin culture like we talked about. And Jay- Olu said, I want to be here for what next year's team is. And that is like, that's the buyout that you need to win a national championship. And it just seems like they have it now.
0: Yeah. And it's a great spot to be in for the New Lions to go into the offseason season. Rose Bowl champions. It's enough said. And it's a great spot to be in for the Nittany Lions. It's a great spot to be in for the program. Sean Clifford leaves Penn State establishing his legacy as a Rose Bowl champion, Fiesta Bowl champion, or I'm sorry, Cotton Bowl champion. And now it's off to the off season For Kevin Quigley, this has been Jared Prugar. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Lashing Out podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network.